But that's the thing. A financial advisor is never going to tell you to go buy real estate because they stand to gain nothing from you. That's correct. It's like anything else. So if like, what is, how can I profit from you? And I'm not going to lead you, lead you somewhere where I can't live. Hey, Jerry. Go on, player. I got you. We're back. We can't utilize that according to your boy. Uh, that's your boy. Your boy. You know, I almost wore my Forager t-shirt tonight. I almost did too. But instead, I'm I'm representing George T. Rock, got, Rockford Bike Shop. I got a new George T. t-shirt the other day. Oh, has it got a fancy design on it? Yeah, it's got a unicorn. It's purple. Oh, nice. I prefer the simplicity of the one I'm wearing here. I, I have that. And what shirt are you wearing? I got the EOT on, brother. Eclipse on tap. Okay, player. Well, here we are. Episode 17. Episode 17. Welcome Let's back. Let's do it. Let's do this. You I'm know, going. we got a lot to catch up on. We do. Well, why don't you thank our sponsors? Go ahead. You start us off. Sponsors first. Oh, uh, Brendan O'Driscoll, OD. Treadstone Mortgage. Oh, I can't say enough good things about OD. He's the man with the plan. Best mortgage guy around. If you're yeah, buying a house, quick buying a rental. I'm in in process potentially selling a home, and uh, they are not the the buyer is not using Treadstone for the record. And uh, my my uh, realtor uh, states he says uh, it's not Treadstone, but it's somebody else. But they'll they'll, they'll get it done. So he was uh, he's very high on on OD. So, so what you're shout telling out me? To OD. OD is like OD is the Coke. He's the Kleenex. Right, he is right. The, he's the, he is the standard by which everyone else else is measured. Probably, I would say. Yeah, nice job, OD. He's the Cadillac of of the Chevy dealerships. I tell you, if you're getting a mortgage and you're not going through OD, you're doing it wrong. Doing it wrong. All right, okay. that's our first sponsor. Although OD, still waiting for that other bottle that you oh, talked about. Come on, Disney. Like six weeks ago. Let's go. And Jerry, our other sponsor. Oh, of course. The Mighty Forager. <laughs> mighty every time. The Mighty Always Forager. Mighty. Uh, bold cuisine. Bold Great Lakes Regional Cuisine. cuisine. Howard City, Michigan. That's Try right. it. Num, num, num. So Thank you, Forager. I have a Forager story. Please do. So the other day, you may or may not be aware, I went up to ride the dragon. Go on. Tell me more. Well, aside from the fact that the Dragon is my new favorite trail, and I had an awesome ride, and it's so fun, and if you haven't been there, you got to go, but on the way up, I noticed for the first time on 131 North, as you get close to the Howard City exit, they're actually on, you know, the little blue sign that says, like, food at the next exit. Go on. There was the Forager. The Forager. And I was like, man, we should stop. Why didn't you? I'm not going to say. Okay. We had a reservation somewhere else. But if I'd have known the Forager was going to be like right on the way, we would have gone there. And because you're cheap, you didn't have a gift card to the Forager. I do not have <laughs> a gift card to the Forager. Uh, Why would you go out to dinner if you don't have a gift card? Right. That's, that's just that's nonsense. That's a hossism right there. Why would there. you spend your own money on going out to dinner? That's a hossism. Okay. I'm glad OD we got that out of the Forager. way. That's Sponsors right. done. If you're right. interested in sponsoring the POFU podcast, please get in touch with Jerry at POFUpodcast at gmail.com. Right. And I'd like to We don't ask much. I'd like to actually thank some of our uh, loyal listeners and for writing in and throwing out some questions at us. That was good stuff. So I kind of formulated a little bit of a little agenda for today's festivities. Oh. But I thought, we, you know, you know, if you don't mind, Hoss, um, this might be a short episode, but I think it's time to go back to the basics. Do you mind? I would love to go back to the basics. Let's go back to the basics. So, you mean talking about what we're drinking? So, well, first of all, we're going to start Cheers. off. We've got a, uh, we go back to the, we went back to our roots. We went back to 
we've mixed it up a little bit for this uh, for this episode, episode number seventeen. We're gonna have a truly nice libation here of the the mighty Tatanka. 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 Cheers, Tatanka. Okay. All right. So we kind of went off the rails on some certain things along the way here. We're kind of building a foundation, but I think it's time to go back and to that foundation, if you don't mind, Hoss. Got to have a good foundation. Got to have a good foundation. Builds everything. So why don't we remind our listeners truly what, you know, what this podcast is all about and what does the POFU stand for and what it means. So much, and it's a two-part question. So if you don't mind, let's start with the P, the O, the F, and the U. Let's go back to that if you don't mind. Just gonna, this might be a short episode, but let's just remind our listeners what it's, about, what it's about. And I think we should do this every, you know, 10 episodes or so. Just kind of remind everyone what we're all about why we're here, what we're doing, and then why is it, you know, potentially why is it so important? But maybe we'll save that to a, for a later episode. But take us through what the POFU is, why we launched this this amazing, soon-to-be syndicated podcast with all our millions and millions of listeners and what it means. Hoss, take us away. You know, I'm glad you brought this up because I actually was just thinking the other day that it might be an appropriate time for if we happen to have any new listeners coming on board, maybe they still don't know. Or if, if you haven't listened to episode one, maybe you have no idea what this is all about. And I thought this might be a good episode to rehash and maybe replay the Goodman clip, the inspiration for it all. I will abide by your request. So the POFU stands for the position of fuck you, which is all about getting yourself to the ultimate level of financial strength. We talk a lot about retirement strategies, passive income, financial independence, financial freedom, all those types of conversations. And we started this podcast uh, back in December of 2020 because for years we have been, you turned me on to this specific clip from The Gambler, the movie with John Goodman and Mark Wahlberg. And he talks all about the position of fuck you. And I think right now would be a good time to dub that clip back in what got it all started, John Goodman and the Gambler. I, I concur. Bam. Play Here the we gambler. go. You get up $2.5 million. Any asshole in the world knows what to do. You get a house with a 25-year roof, an indestructible Jap economy shitbox. You put the rest into the system at 3 to 5% to pay your taxes, and that's your base. Get me? That's your fortress of fucking solitude. That puts you for the rest of your life at a level of fuck you. Somebody wants you to do something? Fuck you. Boss pisses you off. Fuck you. Own your house. Have a couple bucks in the bank. Don't drink. That's all I have to say to anybody at any social level. Did your grandfather take risks? Yes. I guarantee he did it from a position of fuck you. A wise man's life is based around fuck you. The United States of America is based on fuck you. You're a king. You have an army. Greatest navy in the history of the world. Fuck you, blow me. Well, that was Goodman. Wow, that's, that's you know what? He I, summed it up. Every time I hear that, though, it makes me tingle. I get excited. And it's like, who doesn't want to, like, jump up and just just change the world? I mean, for yourself. Change your own world. Right. Yeah. Right. Put yourself in a good position. Yeah. It's it's phenomenal. And I, I think we're going to, I'm going to hold off on a little piece of it, but... Let's uh let's take us through the, so we talk about the the position of, of fuck you which is phenomenal by the way. Why don't you t- Ben why don't you tell us what does that mean though, right? What is what do we define it as? Let's go so we go back to episode 1 or 2 whatever it was, maybe it's a combination of both. What what are we saying that POFU? What does it mean if you're at the POFU? 
Well, it, it is up to each individual's interpretation. Okay. I have my own specific definition, but it can really mean anything. You know, for me, it means when I've hit that financial freedom mark, which for me means when my passive income exceeds my expenses every month. So passive income, again, could be rental income from a piece of real estate, could be dividends from stocks, could be distributions from syndications, which we talk about, but it's money that I earn every month or every quarter or every year that I'm not trading my time for, okay? So my passive income, or what I like to call mailbox money. So when my passive income exceeds my expenses, I'm there. There's some shades of gray with that, but that's it. Now, for some people, it doesn't have to be that. Uh, it could be just having enough money in the bank so that you you know, you know have that confidence to be able to walk away from something that's not working well for you, right? So just a, you know enough financial security so that you can live life on your own terms. Okay. Does that work for you? It's, it's phenomenal. So Do you have a different definition? No. I, we, we've, we define it as your passive income is um, greater than your burn rate or your expenses. That's what we're saying it is. Yes. Now, again, we've, already, we've always thrown a little caveat in there. Make sure that if you do it, which we hope you do, that you take in consideration all your expenses, not your current, but your future included, meaning healthcare, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Taxes. Right. A lot of things people prepared. forget about. Right. Yep. Okay. So we've, we've gone back. The POFU, position of fuck you, is the your passive income exceeds your burn rate. Therefore, you're saying you have financial freedom. You can, you are, I don't want to use the term independently wealthy. That's not the right term. You are at a position where you don't have to work for someone else except for yourself anymore. Yes. And the beautiful thing is that there's no choice. specific dollar amount that that is. It's not, oh, when I have five million bucks or it's, oh, when my, when my, when my passive income is, you know, five grand a month. Like it all depends on your burn rate. It all depends on how you want to live your life. Right. If you spend a thousand dollars a month, you only need a thousand and one in passive income, which is not that hard. But if you have a high burn rate and you spend, you know, 20, 30 grand a month, well, obviously you're going to need a lot more. But that's the beautiful thing mm -hmm. about it. It's a very simple formula and it works. So let's talk about that. So I actually talked about it with a financial planner the other day, and I read some things, we'll call it, and say, everybody says, what's your number, right? And that's so, where I think financial planners get it wrong. Well, I think that, you know, even when we talk, you listen to the, the episode of John Goodman, he talks about the $2 million base at 4% is $80,000, right? That's people live on. So the general accepted number in the industry today I look, looked up, it's it's 1.9 or call it, well, let's round up, we'll call it 2 million. So they're defining a number and say, well, everybody's like, what's your number? Well, follow the green line. But that, right? I hate that anybody would actually put that in print or say that out loud, that that's the number because everybody's, like I said, their burn rate is so different for everybody else. Understood. Everybody's Understood. burn rate is different. Well, because well, everyone always asks what your number is, right? And mm -hmm. it's, and it's and I actually kind of surveyed some, some people up to including my own family, my brothers. And it's like, I said, hey, to my brother, and I said, what, what's, he was like, well, what? he asked me, quote, because that's that's industry standard today is is what's your number? So when he met with this financial guy, for an example, Can, it, take a pause. Sure. And define what you mean by when people are asking, what's your number? Uh, OK, I'm sorry. Is this net worth? Is this cash in the bank? Is this stock portfolio? All of it. What is I, what I is, think what, what it is, it's that? your 401k. Everyone usually goes by your 401k is a worth a certain amount. And I'm, I'm going to use the term two million because the industry standard today is two million. You need to have two million dollars. I would probably say it would be, it's easier just to talk about in a 401k perspective, IRA, whatever, in in some kind of financial institution. When I say institution, meaning 
something that's growing right at a at a certain rate. So what they say is, at if you have two million dollars and it grows at eight percent, five percent, seven percent, whatever it may be, and you burn or your spend is four for that percent, right? So you're spending at a rate of four percent at two million dollars invested as eighty thousand dollars. You get a spend. Now there's going to be some taxes. That's why you say about seven. If you're actually making seven on it, but burning four, right? Your net net, you're probably about. So you're talking about the four percent rule. I am, which is widely regarded as like the retirement formula correct in the, in the financial planning world. Yes. Okay. Yeah. The four percent rule. That that's where I'm going. But I but I you know when talking to him, everyone We're, always focused on a number. So I asked some more questions of of my brother. Even I said, hey, what why do you focus on, on a number? He's like, well. I said, what's your burn rate? So he said, I met with my financial guy and he said, my burn rate is, or my spend is what I make today. So I, my question to him was like, oh, that's interesting. And I have no idea what he makes. Wait, hold on. Go on. My my spend is what I make today. My spend is what I spend today. Yes. But it's based upon what I'm earning today. Like that's kind of how we defined it. I want to, I want to spend what I earn, like what I'm earning today. Okay. So he's saying his, he wants his retirement income to be the same that he's making today. Right. That's what you're saying. That's that's okay. how he explained it to me. And I was kind of I was kind of scratching my head going, OK, so what happens? And I don't know what his numbers and it doesn't matter. Um, I said, what happens if you never hit that number? Right. Meaning you have to have maybe, you know, at four percent. If it's if his spend is one hundred thousand dollars, for example. Right. At four percent, you got to back into that number. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's got to be about uh, what? Two point eight million, two point whatever it is. Right. Because 4% of 2 million is 80,000, so you got to go up. So my point is, everyone has this number in their mind. They're always working toward this number. But what if you don't get there until you're like 72? That's a problem for me. That's a problem for me. It's a problem for a lot of people. Right. Can I ask so, you a question? Sure. And stop, if, you're on a tr- if you're trying to take this in a certain direction, you let me know. But I have a question about this 4% rule. Sure. Because I've heard about the 4% rule. And my understanding is that, uh, you know, you can spend 4% of your portfolio or your 401k or your nest egg or whatever. I, I, you know, when, when we were talking about the number before, I think I would probably define that as whatever your portfolio is, which includes your 401k. Maybe if you got a stock portfolio, maybe some real estate, I think that would include everything, but your principal residence, I think that would be fair. Sure. Cause you're living there. Right. Right. Unless you access the equity, it's really kind of useless in terms of what you can spend. Right. Right. Okay. So the 4% rule, as I understand it, is that it's a good gauge that you could spend 4% of your portfolio every year. The taxes are covered and it would also accommodate for fluctuations in the market. Sure. And I think it assumes, you know, an 8% growth rate. But of course, it doesn't grow 8% on the dot every year. Some years it goes down, some years it goes up more. And I think that 4%, here's my question about the 4% rule. Does the 4% rule, does that take you to a point that around the time that you plan, you plan to die, I almost said that, around the time that you might not be around anymore, that it's gone? Or does the 4% rule mean that you never touch your principal? Well, I think that's, that's a, you see where I'm, you yeah, know, I understand what you're saying, because then you're saying if you never touch the, you never touch the, the principal, then you're leaving that, that $2 million to your family for Yeah, whoever. But I think that most of calculations are made to which you, when you expire, you're at zero. That means you got to over, you got, it means you got to spend more than 4%. Yeah, that's a problem. That's another problem. Right. Well, I think that part of the issue there is, is, is the fact that how, you know, what's your, I mean, you're, 
you, you have to answer some a series of questions for your financial guy, which means how long are you going to live? How much are you going to spend? Which nobody can answer. Right. Um, you, you can you can tell them how much you're going to spend. The only thing you don't know is what inflation is going to do. That's another question, right? So it's, I mean, even today's modern world is hyperinflation and whatnot. But, you know, I guess where I'm going with this, Ben, and I wanted to talk about it somewhat is because this is the norm. This is the industry standard. This is what the financial professionals are telling people. And this is how you've got to function. This is how you got to do it. And I think this whole podcast is in relation to, I, I want to be very clear not to say we're, we don't believe in the 4% rule. I don't believe in the methodology. I don't believe in waiting till you hit a certain number before you retire. Cause I think you may, my point is you, you may, you may have to work to your 70 or whatever it is to hit your number. Maybe hit it early. The other piece is you can't touch your 401k to your what? 59 and a half. 59 and a half at the yeah. earliest. So if you want to go before that, you have to do it with something else. You have to do it exactly. with cash or you have to do it with some kind of passive income. That's why we here at the, at the POFU podcast are so focused on that passive income and how it, and how it really can really take you to the next level. I believe in the 4% rule, but my only problem is I don't want to wait till I'm, I'm going to round up and say 60 years old to retire. I, I would like to go earlier, enjoy life, live my best life, climb the mountains, do what I got to do when I'm in my, you know, ideally, I mean, if I'm 47, right, right now, but it's just not, you know, economically feasible today, but it, but it really comes down to choices and spend and whatnot. So I guess where I'm, where I wanted to go with this and make it a short episode was, hey, we're into the passive income. And I'm here to challenge the 4% rule to say, do it, but yet you got to do something else if you want to retire early or be another part of society, which you're not retiring to your 62 or 65. Well, we'll restate yet again that most people never get to the point where they can fully retire. Sure. So, but let's, uh, you know, let's challenge it. Let's talk about what, what are the problems with the 4% rule? Well, I mean, first and foremost is I, I, it's littered with, with challenges. No question. I think first and foremost is the age. The the starting age. You can't you can't even consider doing that until you're 60, 59 and a half. Uh, not necessarily. Um, I don't think it's the age. I think the problem is nobody can predict what the market is going to do. Sure. Okay? okay. So we can all go into retirement with a fairly firm burn rate. Fair statement. Fair statement. So we can all go in and we can plan. You know, we can say here's our here's our recurring expenses. You know, the mortgage, the food. You know, the entertainment. Like we can budget all that. We can even throw some vacations in there. We can come up with a pretty firm number that really would only fluctuate. I don't know what's going to make it fluctuate. I mean, inflation is not going to do much, but for the most part, you can over the course of twelve months, you can you can budget your burn rate, your right. expenses. But what nobody can predict is what the market's going to do. Correct. So let's say you have that two million dollars in the bank. Okay, so that's your that's your number, two million, because four percent of that is eighty thousand bucks and bucks. And let's say, you know, take take all the the taxes and all that stuff out of the equation. Let's say that's what you need. That's four four percent. That's your eighty grand, and that's your burn rate, right? Well, the assumption then is that the market's going to go up. What eight percent? That mm -hmm. covers all the taxes, right? You haven't touched your principal. Well, what if the next year it goes down ten percent? So your two million went down to one point eight million. Now, all of a sudden, you either have to drastically change your expenses or you have to have your number shoot so high. Your number has to be so much higher for those types of buffers that your burn rate is going to be way less than that number. I think I think where you're taking us on that, I, I hear what you're saying. I think where you're taking us, Ben, and I'm not sure we're going go to go there right now, but maybe we do, is the cash flow model versus the stock portfolio model. That's kind of where I'm going. Did That's you want to save going. that for another episode? I mean, it's 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 on my list to talk about as okay. as one of those things. But I, maybe we, I mean, how far are we into episode right now? We're twenty minutes. 
I mean, can we sum it up in 10? I think so. Okay, let's do it. Well, what other challenges are with the 4% rule? Other than well, the, the prediction of what the stock market's going to do. Either, again, you have to have a massive buffer mm-hmm. or you have to be prepared to scale your, your, your expenses way back in the event that there's a correction. Well, you, I think it's just so unpredictable. And yeah, it's volatile. You, you have to scale with the volatility of your, your no, when I say scale, your spend has to follow the volatility of your portfolio. Sure. And that's, yeah. and that's, and some you have good years, then you plan to do things and uh, that you may not be able to do the next year. Yeah. The other thing that I really don't like about the cash flow, or excuse me, the, the 4% rule or the, the stock portfolio model, and it's the advantage of the cash flow model is that. You're buying stocks all along in this 401k or in your stock portfolio. You're buying stocks. And then when you need money, you have to sell the asset, which is the stock. Right. You have to cash it out. Because you need the money. Because you you need the money. And the minute you cash it out, you don't have that asset anymore, which is remarkably different from the cash flow model that you and I are going after, which is primarily real estate. Well, for you and I, it is 100% real estate. There's other cash flow models with businesses and stuff. But when we're talking getting rent checks or distributions, we know every month or every quarter or every year, based on a very a very close projection, what our distributions are going to be. So we know how much we're going to get every month or every quarter. Sure. And so we can base our our number is a little bit different twist. Instead of our number being a portfolio value number, if call it $2 million, our number is a monthly cash flow number. Correct. And the great thing about that is that you don't necessarily have to have, you know, if you put a million bucks making 15%, that's 150 grand a year in cash flow, or which is the same as 3 million bucks at 5%, right? Right. So it's not a portfolio number. It's a cash flow number. Sure. And the other thing about distributions, I'm sorry to cut you off, is you get these distributions every month, but you still own the asset. Right. Which is a big advantage over the stock portfolio. Well, well, who says you couldn't take your your stock portfolio? And the S&P has been returning double digit for the last, what, 10, 15 years? I mean, so it's still strong. It has been. It's so it's historically. Historically, those bull runs only last for what, twelve years maybe? Ten, twelve years? Historically. So historically we're we're getting ready for a for a correction. So I think at the end of the day is right what what we've just defined here and this has been a short brief conversation regarding the cash flow model which is a you know what Ben's referring to is is utilizing the syndication investing cash or investing monies into a syndication that give you distributions quarterly, monthly, weekly, whatever it may be and or owning a rental property or a building or some kind of passive type income or you know what's what's interesting too is that you can consider is there are there are stocks you can buy that do create passive income, dividend-bearing stocks. Sure. To where you can invest, buy something, get a dividend, plus the value can go up. So there are some things out there that actually go toward the cash flow model. I guess what, what we're, challenging, we're challenging here today is the, the norm. We're, we're challenging the norm of, of, of to think out of the box and to utilize a different kind of strategy rather than just what everyone else does it's like a herd mentality rather mm-hmm. than you know break away and do your own thing because i would challenge you doing your own thing same doing your own thing if you talk to kiyosaki and the rest of the boys there they'll tell you you got to be kidding me you need to spend the money i mean especially during inflation you had you own an asset you spend it you invest it why would i want to hold money or cash or whatever when all i do is print more of it that's what kiyosaki says why would i save anything that can just be printed right he's absolutely correct 
because yeah. the U.S. dollar is not backed by gold anymore. So really, right. you can just print an unlimited amount. Right. It's not even printing anymore. It's just creating digital money that we're just sending electronically everywhere. Correct. To everybody. But yeah, no, I think that's a great thing to bring up that if you, anybody listening that is sitting down with their financial planner and their only focus is, is what's your number and the 4% rule. Again, we're not saying it's wrong because it's work. It works, but it's a remarkably different model. And there's, there's, there's so many different options. And I think there are better options out there. I would challenge a conventional way of thinking. That's the bottom Absolutely. line. I mean, it's, it's yep. simple because it does. I, I'm not going to challenge it. It works. I think it would work, but I think then you're going to be along to the herd that you're going to retire at 62 or 65 or whatever the number is. And again, you're going to be, wa- I mean, you got to watch the stock market. Right. Every day. Right. I mean, think about that. You, let's say, okay, you go the traditional route and you hit your number somewhere around 62, right? Typical retirement age, 62, 67, however you want to look at. And let's say you that day is today. Yep. And then two years from now is when, you know, historically, I don't know anything about the stock market, right? But based on history, a correction will come sometime in the next, you know, couple of years. Mm-hmm. You hit your number and then there's a big, call it 09, which what did the market retract in 09? Like 25%? 08, 09, yeah. Yeah. It, it, got, it got smashed. So you hit your number. You retire, and now there's a 25% retraction. Like you're going to be in trouble, or you're going to have trouble sleeping at night. Yeah, and you'll be you're going to be tied to that. You're going to be right. watching that all the so time. So you've got one or two choices there. You could a go back to work, which would would be brutal. Yeah. Would be you can cut your cut your spending by 25%. That would also be tough. Uh, yeah, or uh, a combination of. I mean, that's really, in my opinion, that's what your choices are. The other thing I didn't mention is I just hate the lack of control. Yeah, I think that I think exactly. You think anybody? Uh, you look at the stock market, and we, and I'm certainly invested in there. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to deny that whatsoever. But I have zero control, and and I sleep pretty well at night, knowing that I'm I'm okay. But it, it's it's one of those deals. I just look at my thing, you know, my month or quarterly statement, and go, well, well, I guess I made money. I have no idea what I'm invested in. I have a guy. I have a guy. You got a guy. I got a guy. Everybody's got a guy. I got a guy. Jimmy, I got a guy. Hope, hopefully he's doing well. But I will tell you, I mean, what's crazy about this whole thing is uh, I looked at my 401k uh, at one of my, at my current company, for example, and I had my guy, my guy pick, pick my stuff out, right? And for the year, I'm, 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 I'm up like 48.8%, it says. So, I mean, it's hard to, to you have this conversation with people and they're like, well, I'm making, I made 48% this year with my money. I mean, you must be an idiot. Everybody's a day trader right now. Yeah, I mean, it's, oh, it's, the everybody's so, so brilliant. Right. It's like, oh, I can, I can do no wrong. Well, and I, and I hope, hope they keep. I mean, I got money in the market. I want to keep roll tide. You know what I'm saying? But, I, you know, I would buy some insurance. And that's why anybody that I was, if I would talk to that, you know, maybe is just getting started, early 20s, whatever. I would just point them to real estate, real estate, real estate all day long. And again, I'm not saying the stock market's bad because, like I said, I've got money in the stock market. I throw some money in a 401k. It's a good, you know, method of diversification. It's another avenue. It's it's going to be bonus money, hopefully, when we hit the POFU. But real estate, baby, cash flow model. Let's go. All right. I think we summed it up. So we we well, went, hey, we, we got back, back to our roots. We went back to our roots. We know what the POFU is. We brought Goodman back on. That's right. It's our boy. And uh, we, you know, we're focused on the cash flow model. And we like it, and I think that uh, you'll like it too. Challenge your financial advisor. That's right. Challenge a conventional way of thinking. I'm, so, you know, I hate to do this, but that's the thing. A financial advisor is never going to tell you to go buy real estate because they stand to gain nothing from you. That's correct. It's like anything else. So if I, what is, how can I profit from you? And I'm not going to lead you a, lead you somewhere where 
I can't I can't win. Right. All yeah. right. Well, that was a great episode, Ben. I look forward to episode number lucky number eighteen. What was this one? Seventeen? It sure was. Okay, eighteen coming up. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. We would love it if you would subscribe and leave us a review. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at POFU Podcast. And as always, we would love for you to join us in our conversation. Send us an email at POFUpodcast at gmail.com.